You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Good morning. My name is Keith Missile. I'm the lead pastor here at West Wind Church, and we sincerely say thank you for joining us in worship. And if you're like me, this past week has been very unsettling. So many things have changed so quickly, and yet we worship and serve a great God, and we can trust in him, and that's going to be our focus this morning. This past Thursday morning was most unsettling for me. I laid in bed kind of restless, praying a little bit, but just couldn't sleep, so I got up about 3 a.m., You know, I I dove into some productive things at home and then decided to just go to the office and and start the workday. So it's 5.30, I'm at my workstation working on my talk. And as I began to reflect on this passage in Daniel chapter 6, a song came to mind from about a decade ago. Went to YouTube, started listening to the song, and great emotion filled my heart. Walked out of my office. And the office complex is rather big, and I was all alone. It was dark, and I started singing the song out loud in praise to God. And it kind of became an anthem for me over the past few days. The song is by Casting Crowns. In 2009, Mark Hall wrote a song that really touched the world at that time, it's a very important song because we're coming through the financial crisis. And the title of the song is this, If we've ever needed you, Lord, it's now. Lord, it's now. And so, again, that kind of became an anthem through to Sunday. I went back to the workstation and uh, looked at the title of the message, Daniel chapter 6, Desperate Times, Desperate Prayers. And so, I wonder if you're like me, we come together as a faith family, and we're desperate for the Lord. Have you drawn closer to the Lord the past few weeks? Have you experienced the the fragility of life that causes us to be desperate for him? If we've ever needed you, Lord, it's now. And I trust that you will embrace that uh, emotion as we engage this text in Daniel chapter 6. And so I hope you have your Bibles turned to Daniel chapter 6. And before we go into the passage, I want to give a little bit of the backstory. And the backstory is hugely important. Picture this Daniel is living in Judah in Israel. It's 605 BC. And between 605 BC and uh, 586 BC, The nation of Babylon ravaged Judah, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple and looted it. And thousands of Jews were taken into exile into pagan Babylon. Daniel was about 15 years old at the time. He grew up in nobility. He was an educated kid. But just imagine being uh, 900 miles away from your home, your family, and being a teenager there. But Babylon tried to indoctrinate Daniel for 
uh, three years in its philosophies, its way of thinking, in its magic arts, uh, indoctrinating Daniel with its gods to worship false gods. But what we see in Daniel's life is, in desperate times, he experienced desperate prayer. And he cried out to the Lord. And from Daniel chapter 1 to Daniel chapter 6, we're going to look at 70 years of time has transpired. Daniel went from 15 years old, now he's in his 80s. And he's still desperate for the Lord. I hope you did download your uh, digital worship. On page 4, there is a sermon outline, and typically I like to start with the blessing. And the blessing is this this morning. An examination of Daniel's faith journey will motivate us for desperate prayer. And so, four motivations this morning. The first is this, pray boldly. Again, I hope you have your Bibles. Let's look to Daniel chapter 6, 10 through 12. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows in its upper room opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, Daniel got down on his knees. He prayed, gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I love that truth. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about the edict. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days, any man who petitions any God or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. You know, you talk about boldness. You talk about intentionality. And in some ways, Daniel's now in his 80s, and all he has experienced over the 70 years in pagan Babylon has been hard. And so the question you have to ask is, what was he thinking? In some ways, Daniel was living the dream. The passage that was already read in the first few verses, Daniel had a huge influence in this context. And he was number three in command. And then it says because of his wisdom, because of his spirit, the king was going to make him number two in the empire. This now is the Medes and Persians, one of the largest empires in the ancient world, 127 provinces. So Daniel had a lot going for him. And yet, boldly and intentionally, he risks everything by defying the king's decree. You know, when you think of the life of Daniel, you have to think of a man who was faithful, a man who went all in in prayer. And so, yes, as much as he had to risk, he knew that he worshiped the one true God. He knew that God had been faithful these past 70 years. And so what does he do? He opens the window. He kneels down for everybody to see that he is defying the king's decree. I believe this about prayer. Prayer is the voice of faith. Have you ever thought about that? And so biblically speaking, the more faith, the more prayer, because prayer is the voice of faith. You know, as a pastor for many years now, I've discovered that leadership can mobilize the church for many things. But the hardest thing, and yet the most important thing, is to mobilize the church for prayer. I believe this. Prayer is the work of the ministry. 
E.M. Bounds said this, nothing of eternal importance happens outside of prayer. Daniel believed that God hears and answers prayer. If anyone had reason not to pray, it was Daniel. Daniel could have rationalized, wait, just 30 days, one month, prayer's out loud, that's fine. However, Daniel made no excuses. He went all in and boldly prayed before the God of heaven and God worked. When we jump to the New Testament, we are encouraged to pray boldly. In Hebrews chapter four, it's a beautiful picture of our great high priest and how Jesus hears our prayers. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 states, for we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. And beautifully, therefore, let us approach, notice, the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. We come today as a needy people, certainly. And yet we come to a God who is seated on his throne. He is ruling and overruling as we looked at last week in Ecclesiastes 3. And he invites us to boldly come before his throne of grace to do what? Find mercy, find grace, find help and support in our time of need. We want to encourage prayer. That's kind of been an anthem since uh, Ellen and I came to West Wind 18 months ago. Become a house of prayer. And here's the wonderful thing today with uh, the technology that we have at our uh, availability to engage. Uh, yesterday, our leadership pipeline met uh, for a couple hours, and we reconnected, we shared our stories, we studied together, but then we closed our morning off, our time in prayer. And folks, it was just meaningful. Coming before God's throne of grace, asking him to meet us in our time of need. And so we want to encourage you. Pastor Jason, yesterday to our life group leaders, sent out some uh, supportive resources of how we can stay connected. Zoom, Google, other platforms. But boy, oh boy, we can stay connected. We can pray together. We, the faith family of God, can come boldly before his throne. So motivation number two, pray humbly. Look at Daniel, verse, chapter 6, verse 10. Three times a day, what does Daniel do? He gets down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he has done before. I love the posture of kneeling. Kneeling demonstrates there is an attitude, a disposition that, God, you are great, and I humble myself before you. I must decrease, as John the Baptist said, and you must increase. Why? Because we are dependent upon him. Apart from him, Jesus said, we can do nothing. A number of years ago, George W. Bush was at an evangelical prayer meeting in Washington, D.C., and some of his cabinet was there, key leaders, and he was introduced at the prayer gathering and people stood up and applauded. And I love the president's response. 
he stood up and he humbly signaled them to please sit down. No applause. And he said this, and I paraphrase. He says, we are gathered today as a house of prayer to applaud one person only, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the disposition of humility that Daniel had. The Old Testament has a beautiful picture. In 2 Chronicles 17, God says to Israel in their beautiful words, if my people who are called by my name, notice this next phrase, humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. Folks, we have the privilege to humbly bow before the Lord, to kneel before him, the spirit of reverence, and ask him for healing. Certainly today, millions are praying that we will have a vaccine for the coronavirus. And we should be praying, we should be interceding that God will work. But there are other healings that are needed all across the world, in our nation, and in our community, and even our church? Have you thought about marriages needing healing? As a pastor now for 35 years, one of the things that has broke my heart over the years is the marriages that just seem to fail year after year, even in the evangelical community. If you're struggling as a couple, if you're struggling as husband and wife, could you do a few things? Humble yourself before the Lord. Do your part to renew the marriage. Pray together. Ask God humbly. Intercede that he would renew and reestablish that beautiful bond of husband and wife, which is a testimony of Christ's love for the church. We also need healing as a nation. Have you been praying for Washington? I know I have a whole lot more for my president, the vice president, for doctors, praying that politicians say yes to unity, say yes to the best for all. Those are things we can pray for to bring healing. And then again, more focused on the church. How about taking our cues from Daniel as a church to become a people of prayer, to become a house of prayer, to say, Lord, we are so dependent upon you. Apart from you, we can do nothing and never turn back. 11 years ago, when Mark Hall wrote the song, if we've ever needed you, Lord, it's now. And then the financial markets rebound. The Dow flies up to 29,000. And do we need the Lord that desperately? Could it be that God is using this crisis right now to get our attention, to depend upon him, to humble ourselves before his throne of grace? I think so. Motivation number three, pray righteously. It's a beautiful point here. Look at Daniel's integrity. Look at his character. Daniel chapter six, verses four and five. The administrators and satraps, therefore, kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy, and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, 
we will never find a charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. I so appreciate this about Daniel. Daniel's desperate prayer was effective because he was a man with clean hands, a man with pure heart. He pursued God and he lived with integrity. Now, I know some of you might be asking or wondering or thinking, does that mean I have to be perfect to pray? Friends, no, that's not the point here. But what it does mean is when we do fall short of God's glory, as Daniel did and others, we're broken over our sin. And we confess our sin because he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. James, the brother of Jesus, connected the dots here of confession and righteousness in prayer. In James chapter 5, we read, Therefore, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another. Why? So that you might be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And so if we need a good example of this, I believe it's the Apostle Peter. Peter had a a marvelous faith journey. He was incredibly used by God, but he also had some blemishes, some shortcomings, some sins. And the one that I think hurt him the most was when he denied Jesus three times. But the Bible says this in Matthew, when he denied the Lord, he went out in brokenness and he wept bitterly. First John 1.9, we read this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so one of the pieces of righteousness is confession. And friends, again, in my assessment, this is a humble assessment, I think one of the neglected uh, Uh, fellowship aspects of the body of Christ is we don't apply James 5, 16. We don't confess our sin one to another, knowing that love will cover a multitude of sin. We don't realize that confession is necessary for God to hear our prayer, and it's part of right living, because truly our righteousness comes from Christ. If you have your digital worship guide, in the sermon outline, you'll see an acrostic that we promote at Westwind Church, and it's a simple, simple acrostic to help people pray, but it's very intentional as to what the acrostic means and how it works. So track with me quickly. We use Acts to suggest when we pray, we start a adoration. We put our focus and attention on God. We exalt him for who he is. We declare that God is magnificent. And then, when we experience his glory like Isaiah did, Isaiah chapter 6, here's what can happen. Isaiah experiences God's glory, and he says, woe to me. (laughs) I'm broken. I'm a man of unclean lips. He sees his sin because he sees God's glory. And then we move to confession. And as we've said, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And when we experience his mercy and grace, then we offer thanksgiving. And then finally, we close with supplication, which is a gift. He will meet our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We put together also a nice family activity uh, that we hope parents and children do together, maybe sometime today, this week, to practice 
the X model, beginning with God adoring him, confessing our sins, thanking the Lord for his good gifts, and then move to supplication. And so finally, motivation number four, pray persistently. Look at verse 10 of Daniel chapter 6. It's so marvelous. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house, the windows in his upper room opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God. Notice this next phrase, just as he had done before. Friends, don't miss this. Daniel was a man of prayer. He prayed. There's 12 chapters in the book of Daniel. And again, it's covering about a period of 70 years. He comes to Babylon at age 15. Now he's in his early 80s. But five of the 12 chapters highlight Daniel as a praying man. He, like Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he prayed constantly. He gave thanks at everything. And he trusted that this is God's will for him in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful pattern to be a people of prayer. One of the things I want to mention this morning is this. For the students who are uh, viewing this morning, for our young professionals, think about Daniel's journey for a moment. 15 years old, taken into exile out of nobility. They tried to indoctrinate him in the ways of Babylon. Daniel said no. He lived by faith. He was a man of prayer. And God raised him up now to be number two in this great empire of the Medes and Persians. That's a remarkable story. And so students, young professionals, I say this constantly. Our young people are not the church of the future. They are the church today. Daniel, Joseph, Esther, Mary, the list goes on and on of how God used young people who were righteous, who lived by faith and prayed. What a beautiful picture. What an encouragement. I want to close this morning by sharing a story that I trust will tie it all together and inspire all of us for prayer. I want to introduce you to a couple that Ellen and I met 11 years ago. This is Betty and Warren Rylander. They are a dear couple in the ministry that we served in previously in Minnesota. Senior couple, matriarch and patriarch, one of the founding couples of our church. But here's their backstory. I was doing a pastoral visit at their home early on in my ministry, and Betty's sitting in her uh, lounge chair, and she had kind of like this, this box, this, this file of you know, all kinds of cool things. And so I said, Betty, what's in the box? She says, oh, that's my prayer box. And so our visit continued, and I noticed that there were letters in there, three-by-five cards. I noticed that there were pictures. And it was just really cool. And before I left, I said to Betty, I said to Warren, I said, Betty, I would love to get Ellen and I in that box. I'd love for you to pray for us. She says, Pastor, way ahead of you. We pray for you every day. And as a pastor, boy, that warmed our heart to know that a senior couple so committed to prayer would be interceding as we have the privilege to shepherd the flock of God. 
I believe this, folks, with all my heart. The person that mobilizes the church to pray will have the greatest influence for the kingdom and glory of God. Let me say that again. The person who mobilizes the church to pray will see the greatest influence for the kingdom of God. Daniel's life was grounded in prayer. Desperate times, 70 years, living in captivity, living in a pagan idolatry, and yet he prayed, and he prayed, and God heard and answered. I want to close with a verse this morning, Daniel 6, 28. And it's the close of chapter 6. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Think about it. He prospered. How? Because he was a man of prayer. We're not talking prosperity gospel. We're talking about living faithfully. We're talking about seeing God's kingdom come. We're talking about testifying of God's glory and greatness. Daniel prospered because he was a man of prayer. Daniel's fruitful life was grounded in prayer. Desperate times, desperate prayers. How about you? How about me? Are we motivated to pray biblically like Daniel and see God's kingdom come? Let's pray together. Father, we bow today before the God of heaven and we say thank you for the privilege to come boldly before your throne of grace. You're a good, good father. Thank you for your mercy. What a blessing. Thank you because of the righteousness of Christ. We can come in a right way and be acceptable to you. Thank you for how dependent we are upon you. We declare today, John 15, 11, apart from Jesus, we are nothing. And thank you for the invitation, Father, to pray without ceasing, like Daniel, morning, noon, and night, three times a day, being intercessors. And Father, we close this morning together as a faith community, praying that, yes, you would provide a vaccine and bring healing. But there's so many other aspects of our life that need healing, Father. Relationships to be reconciled, homes, marriages, children who are estranged. Father, our governance in America, we pray there would be a transformation. Pray that you would bring unity. We pray for our president, for our vice president. Father, for organizations that are leading the way to help the world find healing. We intercede and we believe that you hear and you answer according to your good, acceptable, and perfect will. Father, be glorified. We long to be desperate for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.